1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We tried starting this sermon last week, and we didn't get very far. I thought, you know, maybe we could zoom through chapter chapter 2 and uh, get, you know, these last seven verses or so. And uh, we just got bogged down in the first two points, and we had five of them, and so we thought we'd do you a favor and uh, let you out. So uh, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and tell me what my first two points were. <laughs> uh, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. First Thessalonians chapter 2, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. First Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, we'll be reading in verse 13 uh, through the rest of the chapter. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they might be saved, to fill up their sins alway, and for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Father, we thank you for the service tonight. We thank you for the wonder of your coming, as the lady sang about. Appreciated that song. We... We stand amazed this, morning, this evening as we realize how much you've done for us. And we just ask that you'd help us one more time as we try to preach your word. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be careful. Help us to be wise. May you be glorified in all things. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we started on... on uh, Growing spiritually, growing pains, and sometimes it's painful growing up. It's not easy to grow up. And Paul here talks about some uh, ways that we can, uh, that God uses to bring about our growth spiritually. And the first one that nobody even remembered was the Word of God. We're in bad shape if we forget the Word of God. And uh, then also we talked last, uh, last week about the enemies of God, those that stand in opposition to the truth. 
And I don't want to rehash those uh, this morning or this evening. Uh, I want to get right into the message because I don't want to make this a three-parter because next Sunday night, hopefully, I'm not preaching. Hopefully, the children will be taking care of that for us. So we not only have the, the Word of God and the enemies of God, but we also have the people of God. The people of God. Aren't you glad that we don't have to go to heaven by ourselves? You know, I, we, sometimes we sing, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, if none go with me, so I will follow. And that's a good sentiment, but I'm glad we don't have to do that. I'm glad we don't have to go this way alone. You know, I, I just believe that it is almost, I don't believe it's quite, but I believe it's almost impossible to make it to heaven by yourself. God has designed mankind to be in community. When he created Adam, and Adam was naming the animals, and he's looked at everything, and he's saying everything is good, and he looks at Adam, and he sees that Adam is alone. He sees there's no community for him. There's no communion for him. There's no relationships for him, not, not at an equal level. There's a relationship with God, which was, was a higher relationship. There's a relationship with the animals, but they're lower. God looked at that, and he said, not good. It's a pretty amazing thing when God says something that he did isn't good. Now, he did that not for his benefit, but for our benefit, for us to be, understand the importance of relationship in order to make it in this world. There are no lone rangers in Christianity. We are supposed to go together. Without community, we cannot be effective. Without community, when we get discouraged, who's going to lift us up? Without community, when, when we don't know the answer, where are we going go, uh, to go uh, to ask them for an encouragement or, or for wisdom and direction? And I know that, that, that it's getting popular. It's getting popular to, uh, in American individualism. To get more and more isolated. But the danger of isolation is this. You don't have another voice in your life. And when you have no other voice, when you get lost, you're in trouble. There was a day before GPS as young people don't die of a heart attack. That wasn't that long ago. Now they got them on their phones, and they got, have them in the car and so forth. But there was a time, most of you all remember a day before there was such thing as GPSs. And you'd be driving down the road, and you'd have your wife there beside you, and you'd be lost, and she'd say, are you lost? And you'd say, no, I just don't know where I am. <laughs> I, I know, I, or you know, I... I know where I am. I can I look around. I know where I am. I just don't know how to get to where I want to be. <laughs> and she'd say to you something like this, why don't you stop and ask somebody for directions? Men don't ask for directions. We don't. 
We'll get a map. We'll figure it out, right? But eventually, she'd bother you enough that you know what you'd do. You'd stop. And depending on your personality, either you said, you, either you said I'll, go ask for, I'll go ask, I guess, or you said, go ask somebody for directions. <laughs> Some of you sent your wife in to ask for directions, didn't you? <laughs> well, we know who got sent. <laughs> Man, there's no shame in sending your wife in for directions. I did it many a time. Thankfully, we got GPSs early in our marriage. <laughs> that's just not me. I just, oh, asking directions. But I needed to hear someone tell me, you are lost. Because I believe that I would soon find something that I would recognize. I'd figure it out on my own, eventually. It's a terrible thing to have to finally stop and ask for directions. It's our opinion, that's our feeling about it, but actually it's a blessing from God when spiritually we've lost direction and someone can say to us, I think you're lost on this. I think the choice that you're making isn't a wise one. I think what, you ha- what you're doing here is, is dangerous. I got woken up from my nap this afternoon. Someone needed directions. Not not how to get from point A to point B, but they were facing a situation, a circumstance. They didn't know what to do. They're not even saved. But they wanted direction. And instead of saying, I'll call you back when I get up, (laughs) I took some time to listen to what their problem was. And then they said, tell me what I should do. And I said... I'm not going to tell you what to do. You tell me what you feel like you're supposed to do. We talked about it. We tried to give them some directions and their situation that they were feeling lost in. And they didn't know what what they were supposed to do. You know, we all get that way often in our spiritual journey. We're not sure which way we're supposed to go. There's sometimes the scriptures just aren't black and white. Or sometimes they are black and white, but we have excused ourselves and justified ourselves so much we don't even realize how wrong we are. We live in a world that has perfected justifying ourselves. We really have. We've gotten so very good at it. And thank God for those that stand up and say, you know what, this is the wrong way. This is a wrong direction. We're headed down a dangerous path. Thank the Lord for those that are true to the Word of God. You know, I thought about different ones in my life who've been, who've, who've been a signpost for me spiritually. Think of those that helped me when I first got saved and helped give me direction and helped get me established. I thought of the saint of God who Satan had been beating up on me and told me nobody has confidence in you. I didn't have much confidence in me, by the way. I was just so in and out and so forth. I'd try to testify and I'd sit down and sure enough, Satan would be there. Nobody has confidence in you. Nobody believes your testimony. 
I remember I was really going through it. I was really down. I was, one of the worst things you can do is believe the devil, but I didn't know that. I was just listening. I was just eating up what he had to say, and I just believed everything he had to say. And what dear saint of God, elderly, elderly man, had pastored, had, had pioneered, had been faithful. He stopped me, uh, and he, he said, uh, Jeremy, you go to school with my grandson, don't you? I said, yeah, I, I go to school with your grandson. He says, he's not living right. He said, will you pray for my grandson? Now, he didn't know the battle I was going through. He didn't know what Satan was feeding me and what I was swallowing. He had no way of knowing that what he did was say to me, the devil's a liar, I have confidence in you. Pray for my grandson. He's been gone nearly 20 years, and I still pray for his grandson. His grandson just had a birthday. I sent him a message on Facebook and just said, Happy birthday. I want to know, you to know that I've been faithful to pray for you as your grandfather requested. He's far from God. He's still far from God. But even 20 years after his grandfather's death, he left a mark in my heart that helped set me e down Spiritually, the signpost that says people do have confidence in you. Keep going. And even though he's gone, he's, there's someone here left on earth praying for a wayward grandson. It's not to praise me. And what I'm trying to help us understand is we need each other. In this time of, of church on the, uh, on the radio and on the internet, and, and yes, we live stream, but it's not for those that just don't want to come to church. It's for those that can't make it to church for whatever reason. We need each other. We desperately need each other. You know, one of the things that I'm concerned about is we've gotten to a place in our, in our, in our church culture that if we don't like it, we leave it. We're not married to our local churches the way we should. We don't like it, well, we'll just go on over uh, to independence. Well, you don't like it? We'll, we'll, we'll go over to church over, over there or, or wherever it might be. We, we, we just don't have to put up with that. It's dangerous when you don't have a committed lifetime relationship with the local church. I'm not saying there aren't times that, that thing, changes need to be made. But here's what's happened. It becomes almost impossible for the pastor or the board or someone who cares about you to say, son, daughter, friend, this behavior, this decision you're, that you're going down, this, this path you're headed down, this, this, you're in spiritual trouble. If you continue down this, you're gonna, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your kids. I don't like that. I'm going to go somewhere else. I've seen it. I've had it happen. And you know what happens? Everything that the pastor predicts, it happens anyways, just because they went to another church and they smiled on it and winked at it doesn't mean that it didn't have the spiritual consequences that they were warned about. You, you can't avoid consequences by plugging your ears. It can't be done. We need the people of God who pray for us. I was thinking about the encouragers. 
Those that along the way that, that, have told, that have just, you know, given me a boost or a pat on the back. And, and I thought about some that haven't been so encouraging. I used to pastor someone who didn't ha- find a positive thing in anything. I mean, the glass wasn't half empty. It was, it was the last bit of water in all the earth kind of person. Everything was bad. If things were going good, just wait until tomorrow. It'll be bad again. <laughs> it was just the way they were. And they just, every chance they had, they, they would cut me, criticize, tore me down as, as often as they could. Well, I'll tell you what, that gets you excited to preach. But you know what? Some of his criticisms were right. Now, I, I, I'm preaching on people of God, and, and sometimes I wondered. But some of his criticisms were right. And they helped me grow up. And to grow spiritually, even when it was painful. That's what we're trying to talk about in this, this message, is sometimes growing is painful. And sometimes people say things that don't feel very nice, and it doesn't feel like there was, the truth was spoken in love, but you can't argue that it's true. God, help us to be willing to hear the truth, even if it isn't spoken in love. But may we never speak the truth in love, without love. <laughs> yeah, oh boy, I just about messed that up. Oh, I told you I got my nap cut short. <laughs> we'll blame that. May we always be careful that when we speak the truth, it's in love. But when we hear the truth, and it's, even if it's not in love, let us still have a humble heart to receive the truth. People of God have, are, I think, one of the best ways to grow spiritually. It's just one of the best ways to grow because we help each other, we encourage each other. And without each other, we just, folks, I just don't know how easy it would be to make it. And sometimes you all have, you don't know it, but I, I'm going through, it would be going through a valley and and you just say, say, you know, Pastor, that message really spoke to me. And, and it just do something for me. And that, when I'm in the valley, just say, all right, just keep doing what I'm doing. God's using me still, even if I don't feel like it. <laughs> we need to encourage each other. and we need to, we need to help each other. The people of God. Paul goes on, now this one's one that's going to maybe surprise you a little bit, but the adversary of God, now wait a minute, I just talked about the enemies of God, right? Who's the adversary of God? It's Satan. Satan's the adversary of God. Do you know God uses Satan to grow you? Paul, Paul says, you know, I, 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 I've wanted to go, I wanted to be there. I wanted to go back to you and, and help you in your faith. I didn't get to be there very long. And here you are, a good church, and, I've, and I've, I've wanted to go. But Satan has hindered me from being able to go. And do you know what's happened? This church is one of the most on fire spiritual churches. It's a good church. How is it that, a, that, these, that 
this adversary, this Satan, has somehow allowed the church to grow? Well, a couple of ways. One, because they didn't have Paul, they had to rely on the Lord. They had to rely on God because they didn't have Paul. They, they couldn't say, you know, well, Paul's here. Uh, we'll, we'll just have him uh, preach to us, and, and we don't have to study the Word. We don't have to learn the truth. We'll just, we'll just come and be like little birdies and receive it when we get it at church. Now, thank the Lord for preaching. Thank the Lord for, for good truth. But folks, if you're, this is the only place you're getting the Word of God, you are starving yourself. You can't come to church three times a week and expect to be spiritually healthy if that's all that you have of the Word of God. I don't suppose that this should be a rule, but it probably wouldn't be a bad one if you... If you haven't had any of the Word of God, you don't get to eat that day. Man, some, some people would be really in the Word. <laughs> All of a sudden, suddenly the Word of God is, is tasted like honey. <laughs> I'm not saying it should be that way. I, I don't believe in legalism. I know sometimes we get busy, and I... And, and folks, I, I'm not here to, to try to, to tell you that if you miss your devotions one day, you've missed out. You don't, you don't lose out because you miss your devotions one day. But oh, that we would have within our hearts the same hunger for God's word as we do for chicken nuggets. Or whatever it is that you like to have whatever it is that you're after, that sandwich or that, that roast Sunday dinner. Oh, I hope it isn't the case that a Sunday morning we wake up and the first thought is, oh, I can't wait to have roast. I hope our first thought, or at least one of our first thoughts is, oh, I hope the Lord comes this morning. When they didn't, when the adversary, their their soul, set roadblocks to prevent Satan, or when Satan set up roadblocks so that Paul could not come to them, God said, "I'll be enough." And they were forced to study God's word, and they were forced to grow themselves. Satan's plans, Satan's work, was not strong enough to kill them. In fact, it made them stronger. I know that we would love to have Satan bound. And I don't know what your eschatology is. There's a lot of theories about the end days. And some people ha uh, believe that Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years while people are walking around on earth. And... But you know what will happen if, if that happens? People are going to get spiritually lazy. Do you know, you can tell spiritually something's happening when, when uh, you've been away from the Word and been away from the place of prayer for a little while. Suddenly the enemy's attack seems stronger. Suddenly you find yourself in confusion more. Suddenly you find yourself uh, uh, maybe 
under more temptation than usual. And do you know what happens? Hopefully it causes you to run back to the Word of God and run to the place of prayer and run to the shelter of our strong and high tower. I hope that's what happens because that's growth. But if we... And I'm not here to praise Satan, but I'm saying that God knows how to take the tricks of the enemy and to turn them around for our benefit. This isn't Satan being glorified. This is God being able to manipulate the attacks of the enemy for our benefit. And God wants us to grow and he will allow Satan so far. He's on a leash this evening. He can only go so far, but as far as he goes is for our benefit. When you face, when you face hard times, when you face difficulty, it does something to you. Some people like hot peppers. Some like them hot really hot. Now, I, I don't know much about raising and growing much of anything, but uh, w Dennis likes hot peppers. And so we, uh, we planted a, a plant or two of these hot peppers because Dennis likes them so well. And I, of course, I was, being the person that I am, my personality, I was trying to read up on it Try to figure out what we're supposed to do. Nah, Dean probably just, he just knows. He doesn't care. He just throw it in the ground. It'll do what it, it's supposed to do. It won't do what I, it's supposed to do if I do everything right. But anyhow, I, I was reading up on it, and this is what I found out about the hot pepper. You want it hotter, you put it under stress. You withhold water. You make things miserable for that thing, and it, those peppers get hotter and hotter. And folks, that's the way it's supposed to be for the children of God. When we are under stress, when we are under the load, when Satan is get, being as, uh, as, as ornery as possible in our lives, the ch child of God should get hotter and hotter. Not uh, hot under the collar. But hot in our hearts, there should be a fire burning deep within us that says, I'm going to go through no matter what. And it should grow us and it should push us forward. Oh, that we'd be like a hot pepper. That under the stresses of life, we'd get the heat turned up in our souls. And Satan can turn up the heat in our environment and it just turns up the fire of God in our souls. Oh, that God would give us that this evening. God can turn around the tricks of the enemy and bring them about our benefit. Finally, I would suggest to us that in order to help grow us, God has given us some rewards. Some rewards. Now, Paul talks about a couple of rewards. One, he says, is when, when the Lord returns. They were looking for the Lord's return. Going home is going to be a wonderful thing. Now, I'm not looking to go tonight, but I'm looking to go. I want to be ready. 
And I don't know when he's coming and I don't know when I'm going. But I, one of these things is, uh, that I want to have settled right now is that I have my bags packed to go. You say, what are you taking? Well, I want to take my wife and I want to take my kids. I want to take all of you with me. There, there's, some, there's some things that I want to, not things really, but people that I want to take to heaven with me. And I want to get my bags packed. And this is what the other part of it that Paul was saying. He said, you all are my joy. When you are serving God, when you're doing right, that, that is my joy. Folks, heaven ought not, the promise of heaven ought not make us lazy. There's sometimes that it seems like people have said, I'm just ready to go and I'm just going to fold up here and, and just wait until the Lord calls me home. The, the reward of heaven ought to, to fire us up to, so that we can be worthy of the reward of heaven. Now, well, there's no way we can. I'm not trying to preach a work salvation. I'm just saying that when I get to heaven, I don't want to be short on good works. I just don't want to be short. Good works and, and grace, we get, so, we get so tripped up over this, fighting and fussing over this. It's so easy. Grace gets you saved. Good works is a result of being saved. If you're not saved, you won't do good works. And if you are saved, you will do them. And if you're not doing any good works, then you're not saved. It's that simple. It's not complicated. If you're doing good works and you're not saved, it's not any to your credit. And if you're saved, you're doing good works. If you're not doing good works, you're not saved. It's really simple. But we get all fuddled up with this. But folks, don't you, want to, don't you want to have good works to lay at the Master's feet when He asks us to give an account for what we've done with the blessings He's given us? He says, to whom much is given, much will be required. And folks, there's not a one of us that hasn't been given much. I'm not talking about how big your bank account is or how nice your car is. I'm talking about how much light you've received. I'm talking about how early in your lifetime you first heard the gospel. How long, how many years God's given you to serve Him. These are the good things that God has given you that He says you have stewardship of. Sure your finances, sure your, your IQ and your knowledge, and sure all the rest of it, those that you'll have to give an account to. But everyone here has been given much. When it comes to the light, when it comes to truth, when it comes to faithful men and women who have stood by the stuff throughout your history, you have been given much, and much will be required on the day you give an account. And I'll just be honest, I don't want, I don't want to fall short in the accounting of heaven. You say, well, you're, won't you go to heaven still? Yes, I, I think you will. He well, says, so I don't care if I get a mansion or if I get a, get a shack. If I'm in heaven, I'm in heaven. Well, I think that's true. But you know what? I prefer 
When my kids do something because I ask them to and they want my approval than when I've offered them 10 bucks to do it. I prefer when, when my kids on their own do something I didn't ask them to do. There's something about that that, that makes a, a heart of a father proud. When it's, when it's not coerced and it's not demanded, it's, it's done because they love you and they care about you. And they want your approval. Folks, that should be the motivation of our good works. It's not how big of a mansion or how, star, how many stars are in our crown, but how much approval do we get from our Savior? It's not about things. and I, it's, not about, it's, not about, it's not about building a kingdom for ourselves in heaven. It's about seeing his smile when we walk through those pearly gates. It's about him saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Come, I'll make you ruler over many. It's not the ruling over many that excites me. It's the well done that excites me tonight. I don't want the Lord to say, well, you did good enough. I don't know if he'll say that on that day, but I just wonder if some might, he might, he might stroke his beard and say, hmm. you're in, but <laughs> wow. Talk about skin of your teeth. Folks, I don't want to get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. You know what I want to do? I want to have miles and miles of elbow room as I go through that gate. I want to have an abundant entry so that it's so clear that when they have my funeral that nobody doubts where I am. That, that when I walk uh, through the, uh, to the judgment seat that I don't have any question marks about what the judgment will read. I want that on that day that for a full assurance of where I am and where I'm going. I don't want to leave any question marks and I don't want to have any question marks. And folks, that motivates me to grow. And it should motivate you to grow. I, don't, I hope you don't want to get in by the skin of your teeth. I guess if you're in, you're in. But you know, the things you tolerate, your children will embrace. The things in your life that, that, that you kind of played around with, your kids will do fully. The things that you didn't think were a big concern, your, your kids will openly practice. The things that were done behind closed doors, your kids will do it on internet and show it for all the world to see on Instagram or Facebook or whatever is going on in their day. I don't want to leave any question marks. And I don't want my children or my grandkids to take a lesser way because there were things that 
that dad or grandpa was willing to, to wink at. We'll do this, but don't let anybody know. Oh, folks, if we don't want anybody to know, maybe we ought not be doing it. Oh, don't tell anybody we watch that kind of movie. Well, maybe we ought not to watch that kind of movie. Folks, it, Paul said that those people were his joy. And as a pastor, I can understand what Paul's talking about. But I think as a parent, and as a grandparent, I think you can get a hold of this same thing. And maybe some of the Sunday school teachers and, 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 and so on, but... You have a responsibility and you don't want to fall short of the reward of taking them to heaven with you. And there's some things that we don't do in the Morford house that doesn't have anything to do with sin, perhaps. But I'm just afraid that it might lead someone to sin. I'm just afraid that it just might make it easier for my kids to let some things go if, if, if we just are a little on care. You say, are you legalistic? If that's legalism, I'll, I'll claim it. Because I want my family to make it. I'm not preaching it. I'm not telling you what those things are. I'm not trying to put those burdens on you. I'm just saying you better be careful what you allow in your home. The things that go on you say, they're grown. I know. Maybe I'll feel differently when my kids are grown. But I hope not. There just ought to be some things that doesn't happen in a Christian home without something being said. There ought to be some lines drawn. You know, we call this church the house of God. It really isn't. Especially when there's no one here because he inhabits his, his people. He made a, te a temple of our hearts and the Bible tells us he inhabits our praise and so when no one's here it isn't really. But you know what we mean when we say it, this is the house of God. But a Christian home is also the house of God because he's in our hearts. And oh folks, I don't want to allow things in my home that are going to cost me joy on the day of reward. And so it helps me to grow. It helps me to be careful. It helps me not to say some things that, that maybe I could say and still get to heaven. It helps me not to do some things that I probably could do and still get to heaven because I don't want to cost myself any joy on the day of reward. Because I intend to take every single one of my kids with me. That's my intention. There's no promise. There's no guarantee. But folks, I don't want it ever to be a finger pointed at me. If you had lived a little more careful. And some of you have raised kids. But folks, you still are an example and they're still looking at you. What you do, what you allow. I have a friend who pastors, he tells me he's, he bothers him so badly. He's got, 
He's got a church full that do, do this one thing that he just he doesn't understand it. But whenever the family comes in, whenever their kids come in, they don't go to church because their kids don't want to go to church, so they just skip church. Whether it's Sunday or Wednesday or whatever, they just skip because their kids don't want to go to church, so they don't go. And he says, you know, if those parents would come to church, those kids, if they really wanted to be with their parents, they'd come in. They might hear a gospel message. But you know, they don't want, to, they don't want the pressure. They don't want to take a stand. They don't want the, the conflict. They don't want their kids leaving early. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not trying to be judgmental and I'm not trying to be legalistic. All I'm trying to help us to understand tonight is that if that soul is your joy on the day of your reward, you better be careful. Is this sin to skip church? I'm not saying that. You skip very much and it will probably become sin. I could get I could just preach along this way. I could get real legalistic real easy here. I could just start telling you all the things that just are the Morford home about this. But I want to be careful. Cuz I don't want I don't want you going out of here and the message being I don't agree with this and I don't agree with that or I do or I don't. That's not what we should take away from this message. The message that you you need to take home from is is that I don't want anything to, in my life to cause another to stumble. And so I'm going to be careful. I'm going to be careful. Because on the day of my reward, I want my joy. Growing, growing physically and growing spiritually is hard. There's some blessings, there's some curses. There's some hard times that, that come our way. But you know, I, there's very few things more sad than a person who's an adult physically, but mentally still a child. Have you ever seen, have you ever met an adult in body, but mentally they're still a child? It's so sad. I used to work with special needs kids. And one of my clients was a 16-year-old boy who still wore diapers and drank from a bottle. Had a vocabulary of maybe a dozen words. It's heartbreaking to see a person grow physically but never really grow up. And as heartbreaking as that is, I think about the fact that our Heavenly Father looks down at some people who have been in the way a long time, but they're just not growing up spiritually. They've had opportunity. They've had their experiences. They've had their, they could have read God's Word. They could have grown by that. They could have, they've had people that have, that have been the enemies of God that have discouraged them. They've, they've had all, all these things that we've talked about and instead of taking them as opportunities to grow, they've taken them as excuses to not grow. And if you want an excuse not to grow, Satan will give them to you by the bushel load. 
But if you want to grow, if you want to grow, God has provided all that you need to grow spiritually. I don't want to become spiritually a child on the inside, mentally, spiritually speaking, and physically an adult on the other side, on the outside. I want, to, I want my spiritual age to match my spiritual maturity. Let's stand together. Father, a hard message perhaps. Maybe discouraging at some points, realizing that you uh, have permitted hard things in our lives. And yet a challenge for us to walk carefully. Lord, I've tried to walk and speak in such a way as to not cause another to stumble. But I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, those things that I spoke in generalities with a, with a broad brush, may the Holy Spirit speak specifically to. Lord, if there's areas in our lives that we're being careless with, show us the light. Bring us in. Father, we want to make an abundant entry. We want to make it home. Be with us as we go our separate ways. Lord, you know this week is a busy week for everyone. School programs, church programs. This week is a stressful, hard week for every single one here. Jobs, school. Father, I ask that you would walk with us, each one. May we feel your presence. Will you come in our quiet times? Give us strength for our days. And when we come together Sunday... May we come rejoicing and ready to worship, for you alone are worthy. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.